0: Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Some interesting words today from Paul in these verses. So let's pray here again before we go any further. Father, thank you for this Lord's Day and this time of worship. You are good and holy and righteous, and you're just and your grace abounds. What an awesome God you are. As Paul says, your gospel is a gospel of grace. Father, help us to know you better and be known by you. May you not be perplexed by us. Thank you for the truths we find in this book of Galatians. Meet us here in this place now. Give me the words to say, to proclaim your word rightly. Use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, once again, Tim Keller's book, Galatians for You, I recommend that to you. It's really helped me in my understanding of this book in the New Testament. And I'm excited to share some of his insights as well as some of my own insights. Uh, through these verses today. Let's begin examining this section of Galatians in more detail. And by looking here, let's just take verses eight and nine at first. And let me read them over here again. Verses eight and nine. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again? To the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more. Many of the Galatian Christians had been worshipers at the idol worshiping temples before becoming Christians, and they lived immoral lifestyles which went along with those pagan religions. We see here that before they knew God, as these verses say, they were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. That's verse 8. And in verse 9, Paul now says, you're turning back again. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? We have to remember that the whole point of Galatians is a warning not to adopt the biblical legalism of the judaizers these false teachers the judaizers were not encouraging the gentile christian to ignore god's law as they had in their pagan days but rather they were urging them to adopt all of the old testament mosaic laws in order to be justified and pleasing to god they were saying that you to be a Jewish, and follow all of these Jewish rituals to be a true Christian. That is not the gospel of grace that's taught in Scripture. So Paul is saying that earning one's own salvation through these Old Testament mosaic laws, through biblical morality, through religion, or through works, is just as much enslavement to idols as the outright paganism and immoral practices that you came from. In all these things, you're trying to be your own savior. I think the elementary principles of the world mentioned here may be the idea of trying somehow to prove yourself worthy to God by leading your life in a specific way. You attempt to earn your salvation by works. And Paul describes these principles as being weak and worthless. And again, that's not the true gospel of grace. In verse 9, Paul is really saying to the Galatians, how can you, you turn your back to your idols now? How can you follow these Mosaic rituals now? Since you know God, since you have given a profession of faith And you now have a fuller understanding of who he is. And more importantly, you are known by God. Church, if you're saved, you are known by God. God knows you. And he knows you intimately. And that's because of God's grace. That's not because of any rules that you follow or works that you do to earn your way to God. Let's go on to verses 10 and 11. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. This is why Paul is in fear for the Galatian Christians. They were still taking on special days and months and seasons and year. They were still religiously observing all of the festivals and ceremonies and rituals of the Old Testament. These ceremonies were never required for the New Testament church. Paul is concerned that the Galatians were legalistically observing them as if they were required by God, or by observing them, they could earn favor with him. They were almost being superstitious about these events. They didn't know these Jewish calendar rituals were distancing themselves from their heavenly father. Now, in these remaining verses today uh, that we're going to look at, verses 12 through 20, that we're going to go here verse by verse, we will be given an insight into how Paul planted churches in the region of Galatia. That should be of some interest to us, right? Four-year-old church plant, Walton Community Church. How much can this speak to us today? And Paul does this by looking back on a time when his gospel ministry flourished in Galatia. And when the relationships between him and the young Christians there were healthy. So look. let's take verse 12 by itself here. Paul says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. Paul is showing God's love here to the Galatians by telling them, I have also become as you are. When Paul planted the churches in the region of Galatia, and there were several of them, he is saying here that he conformed to their customs in many ways. He set aside his own peculiarities. He gave up his customs as far as possible. He conformed to them as Gentiles as far as he could in order to benefit them and to effectively preach the gospel to them. He is showing God's grace to the Galatians. He's being the church to the Galatians. A church that is truly energized by the gospel is flexible and loving and adaptable in the area where their ministry is, apart from being flexible in the gospel, of course. I pray that we here at WCC, especially still being a small church like we are, can continue to be as welcoming and loving and flexible to our whole community here in the Monroe area. Colin Hansen, in his book, Rediscover the Church, refers to the church as the fellowship of the difference. The local congregation is where Jesus teaches us to love all kinds of different people. We are all different in so many ways, even in the small local body of WCC. But the church is able to withstand those divisions because even though we have differences, we confess the same belief in Jesus Christ. And that's enough. That's God's vision for the church. We need to welcome people as they are. One of the marks of a legalistic church is one that is inflexible and wants to obsess over so many minor things. They want their members to possibly dress in a certain way or act in a certain way. They preach more about what they consider as bad behavior, and many times that's not even sinful behavior, than preaching the message of the cross. They can become very judgmental and harsh and unwelcoming. But Paul was a model of someone who enters people's lives that he is seeking to reach, just as Christ did while he was on earth. That's why these church plants started so well in Galatia. Paul not only got to know the Galatians personally, but he lived with them, he ate with them, talked and walked with them. He became as they are. Of course, he did all this without compromising the gospel itself. I pray that as we continue to grow as a church, we will do an even better job of that here at WCC. And I personally know that there are members of our church that are so gifted and have a wonderful ministry of mercy and kindness and hospitality and compassion, and so much of that takes place behind the scenes, but it's at work every Sunday morning. I'm so thankful for such a loving church family here at WCC that goes out of the way to welcome everyone, but never compromises on the gospel. In fact, being a a welcoming and loving church that doesn't compromise on the gospel may have been what drew you here to WCC. In every new members class, without fail, one of the first things people say drew them to our church was how welcoming and loving the people are. They see the love of Jesus in our people. We are a welcoming and loving church, and we take the worship of the Lord seriously. What a great combination that is. We take church membership seriously as well, and I think it's a great witness to our visitors and to our community. And Paul even asked the Galatians to become as I am. Paul has been so personally open about his own heart and so consistent in his own life that he can invite the Galatians to imitate him. And I don't think this is out of any arrogance. If, if Paul had only said, be like me, without also saying he was becoming like them, then that might have been an indicator of some pride. But I think Paul is not urging them to be as right as he is, but he's urging them just to be as joyful as he is in Christ. He is saying, Follow my example in laying aside your opinion of the necessity of the law. You are saved by grace alone. Find your joy in that truth And stop trying to earn your way to God. All right, let's move on to verse 13. It says, You know, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Gospel ministry looks for opportunities, even in hardships. Problems can become possibilities. It says here, It was because of a bodily ailment. He reminds the Galatians that I preach the gospel to you first. That possibly means that Paul was in Galatia for some unknown reason. And he probably wasn't planning on preaching the gospel to them. But his illness changed it to happen. Whatever that illness was. That is God's providence at work. You know, I think we can pause here because these verses kind of tell us with, about one of the most challenging and one of the most troubling parts of Christian teaching, namely that God allows suffering and difficulties of the world into the lives of Christians. We're not immune to that. Romans eight twenty eight insists that in all things, all things meaning, in all pleasant things and in all painful things in all things God works for the good of those who love him in Paul's case here hundreds of lives were changed because God allowed a painful illness to overtake Paul and here we also have has an example of how God changed well laid plans in order to bring enormous good even though it was through suffering. Most times God doesn't bless Christians by removing suffering, but he blesses Christians through suffering. And I can personally attest to that. As I went through a cancer diagnosis in 2008, and all the treatments that followed, God worked in my life more than he had at any other time. We have to be reminded sometime that Jesus suffered, not so we might not suffer, but Jesus suffered that in our suffering we would become like him. God uses our suffering to bring about good. Sometimes this involves circumstances. Paul's illness here, brought many new friends and a successful ministry in Galatia. But other times, the good God works is in our character. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about a great, unnamed, painful thorn which God would not remove from him despite repeated prayers. We're even saying about it. And Chris, I didn't even talk to you specifically about this, But I'm just amazed how you come up with the right songs every Sunday. Um, But Paul says that the thorn is meant for good because it humbled him. And it has strengthened him. That's God working on Paul's character. The relentless pain and the sense of weakness from the thorn has brought Paul to a deeper dependence on the sufficiency of grace. Christian, has God put a thorn in your life? If so, don't give up hope and become discouraged, but look for God to use it ultimately for His glory and your good. Pray for God to use it for His glory and your good. This is also a great reminder that ministry doesn't happen strictly according to human plans. Paul evidently had not targeted Galatia in his strategic planning sessions, but God brought him there. Now we can't infer from this text that strategic planning is wrong. Paul didn't stop making plans for his future missionary journeys. We see, for example, that he continued to target the largest cities of every region as a way to reach that area. The The elders of this church plan for ministry and we seek God's wisdom in that. We had an elder and deacon planning meeting just last week. We must use the wisdom that God gives us to make plans. We must be good stewards of our time and resources but this does teach us that we must be more relaxed and willing to let God tweak or totally change our plans, even in a big way. And when I began studying these verses, I was really convicted about this because I am a planner and my family can attest to that. It's, it's a little intimidating. These first two rows can attest to that. I write my list out, and I'm ready to go. Let's get it done. I've been praying for God to make me more flexible in situations. And I'm sure most of us can provide personal illustrations of how God worked in our lives or the lives of people around us through mistakes, through troubles, through changed plans or even sometimes through disasters and how God used those times far more than through our deliberate plans. It's good to ponder about those times because it can be very encouraging. All right, verse 14. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. The Galatians had received Paul very warmly. It seems, according to this verse, it would have been easy to have scorned him or despised him. Perhaps because his illness may have been disfiguring or debilitating in some way, we don't exactly know. But instead they welcomed Paul as if he were an angel of God. As if he were Christ Jesus himself. As I mentioned earlier, may we continue to be a welcoming church here at WCC to everyone. We need to consciously continue to do that each and every Sunday. Make it a point to go up to every visitor you see and welcome them, especially those sitting right around you. As Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. All right, moving on, verses 15 and 16. What then has become of your blessedness For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? This seems to suggest that there was a great change with the Galatians since they were first planted. The joy and satisfaction they used to feel for Paul seems to be gone. What has become of your blessedness, Paul asks. Now they have begun to see Paul as an adversary. Verse 16 says, have I now become your enemy? There has been alienation over the doctrines of faith versus good works at issue in this letter. As Paul has been telling them the truth, their friendship has cooled down drastically. Paul has not changed his message or his ministry the church's response to him has changed since they're now under the influence of ministers who have a very different message from his the Judaizers their message is salvation by works and by the law not by grace alone this message of salvation by works from the Judaizers was a difficult challenge for these new church plants. Verse 17, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. Paul seems to be saying that these false teachers' goals are that you make much of them. Another translation of this phrase would be to flatter or to puff up. So a better translation of this, this verse might be, they are flattering and making much of you so that you will flatter and make much of them. These Judaizers need the Galatian Christians to be wrapped up in their leadership, obeying and adoring them. They believe only this can assure them that they are good and great believers, truly blessed and favored by God. They think they are earning their salvation by the works of their ministry. All right, let's go on, verses 18 and 19. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Whether zeal in ministry is good or bad depends on whether the purpose of it is good or bad. These false teachers, their purpose was they simply wanted to build themselves up or be puffed up by building the Galatians up. They were not building up the gospel. But rather their main interest was in pride and in self-righteousness. By contrast, Paul's purpose is in verse 19. He is in anguish, he's in agony until Christ is formed in you. This is a very crucial point. Despite Paul's appeal back in verse 12... To become as I am, Paul is only being an example to the Galatians in order for them to be changed into the likeness of Christ. Paul does not say, like me, he says, become like me, or become as I am. He's not trying to win fans over to like him, but to get people to follow Christ as he does. Paul wants people not to become dependent on him, but dependent on Christ. That is Paul's purpose. This is why Paul uses the image of a mother in labor here. He's like a mother laboring in the anguish of childbirth over his disciples. A mother in labor desperately wants her child to get out and become independently alive a child grows inside the mother and the mother must suffer in order to give new life to that child but that doesn't mean she wants the child to stay in the womb she gives birth to her child through the pain it's a remarkable image when you think about it for a healthy gospel-based church plant As members of WCC, we should anguish until Christ is formed in those around us here in our church body, until they have new life, until they are born again. That may be our children, our grandchildren, our family, our friends, our fellow church members, our regular attenders, or a visitor. And we should rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. We are brothers and sisters in Christ and we should love each other in the Lord. We should anguish over each other's spiritual walk with the Lord. The false teachers want followers who glorify them. Paul wants partners who glorify Christ. Unlike his opponents, Paul isn't telling the Galatians what they would like to hear. He's telling them the truth. That's what verse 16 said. He is telling them the truth and he's being vilified for it. And we believe here at WCC that through preaching the truths of God's word each and every Sunday, unapologetically the Holy Spirit will do his work in the lives and hearts of his people here at this church. All right, when we get to verse 20, our final verse for today. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Paul would love to be able to be more affirming and gentler, to be able to change his tone, as verse 20 says. But he would rather preach the truths of the gospel than receive the praise. As Tim Keller in his book says, it is the gospel which brings people to Christ's dependence, shapes people to Christ's likeness, and provokes people to Christ's praise. The gospel frees us from the need for people's approval and acceptance so that we can even confront the people we love if that is what's best for them. And although we might not personally see any immediate results when speaking the truths of the gospel to other people, it is the only thing that really changes people. We leave the rest up to the Lord. If you love a person so selfishly that you won't risk that awkward moment or risk having them get a little angry with you, then you won't ever tell them the truth they need to hear. But on the other hand, if you tell a person the truth that they need to hear, but you tell them with harshness and not with love, they won't listen to it at all. And I'm preaching a lot of this to myself here today. But if you tell the truth with lots of love, there's a great chance through the work of the Holy Spirit, what you say will penetrate their hearts and heal them. Our church should be marked by an extremely loving group of people that are uncompromising to the word of God and the gospel. And I think that's what we have here at WCC. And that makes us unique in this age and time. Because a lot of churches seem to either lean heavily in teaching the word, but not being loving about it, or they are all about being loving and they water down the word. And it can be a hard balance for a church to achieve. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Is he confronting you with the truths of the gospel, of who Christ really is? our Savior, the one who obeyed the law perfectly on our behalf and then died in our place, he did that for you and he did that for me. This could be the day of salvation for someone here today. May our actions individually and as a four-year-old church plant point to Christ. And may we be imitators of Paul In our ministry to others. Lord, help us to do that. Amen? All right, let me pray. Father, help us to grow to love you more. Help us as a church and as individuals to point people to Jesus. May this be the day of salvation for someone here. Meet us in a special way as we come to your table. You are mighty and glorious and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.